Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. In January, there was a, a TikTok challenge circulating about clingy pets, okay? Clingy toddler, clingy pets. We're kind of, that's the kind of the, where we're going this morning. So if you don't know about TikTok, don't worry. I just got on like a few weeks ago because I needed to know uh, what was happening uh, with the kids because anytime I substitute teach, I realize that I'm getting older. <laughs> Everything is a little bit further and further removed every time I'm with young people. So anyways, TikTok, social media app, that's all about videos, right? People post videos, people respond to those videos, super creative and funny. Um, but this one guy, uh, Scott Tavlin, he's a self-proclaimed dog lover, and he started this challenge with the statement, Show me your pet is clingy without actually saying your pet is clingy. So people take that statement and then they make response videos for that. So we're going to watch a quick compilation. So maybe, you know, I mean, it goes on and on and on. There's endless amounts of people that have shown that their pet is clingy without actually saying it. And maybe you have a pet at home. Maybe you uh, feel the same, that your pet always wants to be right with you, in your lap, on you. Uh, they might, wh might whine or cry if you leave the room. Um, some people, I feel like, have told me that this clinginess has increased over COVID if you found yourself working at home. Um, one of my friends <clears throat> got a new puppy during COVID, and she thought that was a great time, but also the worst time because now she's working from home. And so this puppy is growing up to only know her owners at home 24-7. So when they actually do leave the house, uh, lots of uh, things <laughs> incur. Um, for me, I don't, I don't actually have pets, but I have a clingy toddler. You saw, um, sometimes it's little children that will follow you around, always asking you for things, always wanting your attention. Um, and sometimes it can get a little draining, right? But this morning we're talking about the soul. We're in this series about the soul. And the soul can be likened to a clingy pet or a clingy toddler in the sense that it is the nature of the soul to need. It is the, the nature of the soul to need. We are needy, and that's okay. Uh, when we first started this series two weeks ago, I put up this diagram of the soul, concentric circles, and the innermost circle is the will. And the will is like your energy inside of you that you can drive it, you can stretch it, you can kind of push it to do something. The mind is like a, you have an endless capacity to, to think and, and to feel. The body, you can strengthen it, you can exercise it, you can will it to run endless miles, um, you can hone its power. And then the last, the soul, is the thing that harmonizes all those things together. It is the, the, the innermost part of you, this soul, the nature of the soul is to need. And we don't really, we don't really like that. The, 
To feel needy is kind of uncomfortable, right? We don't like needy people. We don't like to be needy. I think that we see needy as kind of a, a bad thing, you know? We like independence and success in our culture. We value, you know, individualism. We don't really value neediness, right? That's perceived as pretty weak, pretty vulnerable, maybe manipulative, kind of childlike, immature. Being needy isn't always a good thing. We might even be uncomfortable with our own neediness, and so we try to like stuff that neediness down by filling it with lots of other things until we get this this cluttered soul or this hardened soul that we talked about or the, the, the shallow soul. Um, Thomas Aquinas, he's a theologian and philosopher, he said this, neediness of the soul is a pointer to God. Neediness of our soul is a pointer to God. It's, it, it shows that our soul was meant for something. If our soul has all these needs, then surely there is someone who is sufficient enough to meet those needs. And we've been talking about how our soul is the deepest part of us. We were created a soul by God, and we're designed to connect most deeply with him. Our soul is designed to connect with God. You know, we're, um, we're limited in certain ways. We're limited in our uh, intelligence, we're limited in our strength, in our energy, our time is limited. But in one way, we are unlimited. Um, Kent Dunnington, he's a professor at Biola University, and he says, we have unlimited desire as humans. You know, isn't that true? We always want more. We always want more. We have unlimited desire. We want more time. We want to be smarter. We want more wisdom or beauty, more funny TikTok videos. If you are uh, my child, all you want is more snacks, probably more candy, you know, the unlimited desire for more. I could feed them breakfast. Five minutes later, they could ask for a snack. Five minutes after that, they could ask for another snack. Actually, during COVID, it got so bad, so bad, the food asking, that we put these little sticky notes on our clock for 10 a.m. and 3 p.m., and they were only allowed to eat a snack between, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner when the clock got to those sticky notes. So by the time um, Ellie entered first grade, she already knew how to tell time because COVID had uh, taught her um, how to anticipate 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. snack. But let me tell you, otherwise it was like every 30 minutes and we were, we were losing it. Um, so the soul is crying out. It needs, it has these needs. It wants more. And Jesus has this famous teaching called the Sermon on the Mount where he talks about um, the blessings that you have when you live in the kingdom of God. The Sermon on the Mount is all about how to live life in the kingdom of God. And his first blessing that he says in this uh, Sermon on the Mount is in Matthew 5, 3. And it says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him. 
for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is how we enter the God life, by being poor and needy. That doesn't sound very glamorous. doesn't sound very cleaned up and, and put together like we prefer to be. You know, how do you get more of the kingdom of God? How do you get more of the God life inside of you? Oh, oh, I know. It's by being really, really good. No. Okay, how about it's going to church every single Sunday? No. Okay, I know. I'll just, I'll just follow the rules and get everything right. No, again. All right, put all the religion aside. I'll be super spiritual. Nope. It's by recognizing our need for him. How do we get more of the God life? We recognize our need for him. We come to him poor and needy. You know, the problem of our soul is not that it's needy, that it has all these needs and wants more. It's our disconnection from God. Our need was meant to point us to God, but instead we can often use those needs to drive us away from God and find fulfillment in endless other things. And it's actually in us coming exactly how we are with needs, messed up, sin, no matter what's going on, for us to truly meet God and change. We receive his blessing and his care when we're honest about our needs, when we're at the end of ourselves, when we actually realize our spiritual bankruptcy, that we don't have it all and that we need him. We need that union with him. It seems paradoxical, right? And so sometimes we, we instead, we fasten our minds and our bodies and our will, those things that make up our soul, to other sources of affection and devotion. And the Bible calls that kind of thing an idol. And an idol just simply means that we're allowing some other competing desire to have a higher priority in our life than God. At any moment we put something on a higher pedestal than God, it can become an idol. If our soul is devoted to that thing, it's an idol. And it can be really anything, anything that our heart trusts in, relies upon, seeks security in. And sometimes what the Bible calls idolatry, we could replace for addiction in our culture, right? Um, And you can be addicted to things without ever touching alcohol or drugs. We can be addicted to good things. You know, we can be addicted to uh, our hobbies, our recreation. We can be addicted to shopping, um, pleasures, anything that's, that goes from just an enjoyment to, um, uh, you know, finding our sense of security, belonging, anything like that. And idols ultimately take away our freedom. And what's really behind that thing that we're longing for in our soul? 
Are, are we needing affirmation? Are we needing connection? Are we needing friends? Are we needing healing from pain? There's lots of things that are behind those things that we fill ourselves up with. So we don't ever have to really pay attention to the needs. Um, now, Jesus, he came preaching the kingdom of God and how accessible the kingdom of God is, how near it is, and the things that you receive in the kingdom of God. And what does it look like to access this kingdom of God that Jesus came preaching about when he was on earth? It's simply surrender. Surrender to God's care and supervision over your life. You come poor and needy, and you get the blessing of the kingdom of God. It's available to you. His care and watchful care over your life is available. Now, an idol, we can't just get rid of an idol by willing it away. You know, that never works. Um, and we can't just, like, turn away from it. We have to turn completely towards something else. We have to turn our affections and our hearts towards something else. That something else is the deepest need of our soul, connection with God. And that's constant, connecting to the goodness of God, connecting to God himself. He is our soul's keeper. Now, we're going to look at a story from Mark 10. Um, this is a story, starting in uh, verse 17, about a rich young ruler, or my, my uh, version says, the rich man. So this, this guy, he, I think that he sensed something was kind of missing in his life. And so he goes to Jesus, and it says, As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so he's basically asking, in the Jewish context, is how can he enter into the kingdom of God? That's what he's asking. Because the Jews had been waiting for the age of the kingdom. They had been waiting for the Messiah to come. He had a lot of hope in uh, this future age that was promised. And so that's what he's asking. Um, and so this is what, what Jesus says. In verse 18, he says, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. So basically, I mean, he's answering the man's question. You know, if you want to enter the God life, pattern your life after God's heart found in the commandments. And he's like, you already knew that because you're a, a Jewish leader. And so then the man responds, Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these command, commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So Jesus, he's trying to get at this man's, like, 
truer question. You know, he comes, how can I enter the kingdom of God? Okay, he tells them about the commandments. He's like, I followed those. So what's, what's your real desire? He gets at his real desire. What are you wanting from me? Are you wanting blessing, security? Are you wanting me, a relationship with me? Jesus has this way, I think, of interacting with people where he helps them make a choice to own what they, what they really are after. You know, um, he doesn't just force himself on people and say, this is what you should do and I'm going to make you do it. He has a way of giving them ownership and empowering them to say, here's the kingdom of God, here's your heart. Which one do you want? Go after it. If you're going to choose the kingdom, I have it all for you. If you're going to choose your own way, this man goes away sad. The, the rich young ruler, he couldn't bear what Jesus had uncovered in his heart. His desire wasn't really for God and the kingdom. It was for his stuff, for his control over his relationship with God through following the commandments and through having uh, all his possessions. His security was there. <clears throat> and some of us, you know, we can turn to obvious things of uh, addictions or poor choices that, that uh, help satisfy those needs and those desires in our soul. But sometimes we have hidden things, you know, things that are not obvious things that are in our minds or in our hearts, things that aren't in the light. Sometimes um, we can be inclined, like this man, to choose morality and religion to make everything look really good on the, at the outside, and that must mean we have God's blessing. When in reality, our, our souls are poor and needy, and we don't have the God life in us, and we need it. This man, he was proud of his the life had, he had created, his possessions. Um, I mean, in Jewish, in Jewish uh, culture, um, people thought, you know, if you obeyed God and you would, you would get God's blessing, and his riches were a testament of that, you know? He had built this great life. He must have a lot of God's blessing. Why would God give away his blessing to the poor and needy? That that does not make sense. Somebody that's not following the law, that's scandalous. But when Jesus confronts him with his real state of desire, what's really in his soul, he's trusting in his outer life more than his, his inner connection with God. And that truth is more than he can bear. His desire is exposed, and it's really not for God's kingdom. It's in his earthly kingdom that he has built for himself. And Jesus, you know, he says, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. He's saying, you know, if you're after what's good in this life, it's found in God. God's the only one that's truly good. Um, and that's what your soul's really after. It's not in the, the stuff you have or the goodness that you can produce by um, achieving a lot in this life or in your religion and how good your life looks on the outside, the good you are after is God alone. It's a relationship with him. But he continues to answer the man's question. 
but he, he gets to the question behind the question, and he gives them this invitation to the kingdom to let go of his possessions and then come follow him. And that's the upside-down kingdom where we get all of God's goodness and blessing exactly where we are, poor and needy. Our outer life doesn't have to look perfect. And I think Jesus was putting kind of a, raw, a finger on this man's raw spot where um, only the good news of God's kingdom could do what for this man what he really needed in life. His wealth provided security and safety, probably some sense of identity. And he was looking for those things in his stuff outside of God. And he walks away sad because he can't cut ties with, with that bondage that he's in. He can't cut ties with it. His desire wasn't really for the kingdom. So Jesus is kind of presenting this choice for him. The kingdom of God says that there's greater treasure your heart really needs. You can receive security and identity and pure goodness from God himself if you trade it all in. So what, what is your soul's need this morning, your true need today? Where are you looking to have your needs fulfilled elsewhere? What story might you be telling yourself um, that keeps those needs fulfilled in other things other than God? That keep the, those needs stuffed down just enough that you don't have to pay attention to them. Because we habitually look to other things to, fit, to fulfill those needs if we aren't seeking them in God. Um, but the good news of the kingdom is that all our needs can be met in God. And, and, there, and there isn't something that we should do or need to do to clean up first to access all that God has for us. He gives it to us without cost without money. He says, come, without money, come and receive from me. We enter the kingdom of heaven with this poor and needy stance. We can't produce enough or make enough for, to earn God's love. It's there, exactly how we are. So Jesus helps us in this soul-searching endeavor that we're in. He helps us understand what our, what our soul's true desire is. And then he proclaims good news. He gives us good news. And he says, you can let go of the striving to become good. You can let go um, of the things that you're holding on to for security. You can come to me and enter into the goodness that I have for you. He gives us a choice. He doesn't try to control us or force us. He leaves it up to us and empowers us that he can transform our desires no matter how anti-Jesus they, they are. He can transform those desires to kingdom desires. That's what he does. He, he looked lovingly at this man. I love that. Verse 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And there's, 
He says, there's still one thing that you haven't done. There's still one thing that's holding you back. There's still one thing that's keeping your soul captive. Let me, let me help you. Get rid of that and come follow me. So Jesus looks at you lovingly and said, there's, there's still this one thing that I want you to turn away from and turn towards me because I have what your soul really needs. So this morning, what I want you to do is to accept the neediness in your soul. Don't try to push it away and drive it away. And maybe you just need to take an honest look at like, what are those things I'm not even aware of because I spend my needs in other ways? But accept your soul's neediness because that's the place of ground zero. That's like ground zero for transformation, coming poor and needy. God is not going to transform you in some future version of yourself. He is going to transform you where you are at right now. That's, that's the only place he can meet you is exactly who you are right now in this present moment. That's where he comes and meets you. That's the ground zero for transformation. And we can be honest. Jesus, my heart not, has desires that are not kingdom desires. I need you to transform my heart. <clears throat> so we bring it to him. If our desire is not Jesus' desire, that's okay. You can bring it to him for transformation. <clears throat> so, two practical tips I have for you this morning. The first one is um, to just spend a few minutes each day in silence before God with, with this in mind, your needy soul in the presence of Jesus. He's looking at you lovingly. And see what, what bubbles up. Maybe you need more than five minutes. But at least start there. For me, it might, it might sound something like this. Um, okay, God, I'm, I'm feeling discouraged. Why am I feeling discouraged? I feel like I'm a bad parent. Like, I'm, I'm really impatient. I just want to control my children so that I can feel good about my life and I can feel good about myself. I don't have to feel the crazy and the chaos that's going around. But, but really, I'm just poor and needy. I, I'm not patient. I'm not loving. I have all these little things that come out of me that I don't want to come out of me. That's, that's what's going on with me, Jesus. And I can be honest about that, that I don't have my stuff together. And I can find my security in him in that moment. I can be filled with, love, with his love in that moment. And maybe I find a scripture, I just repeat something, it's, it's Christ in me, it's Christ in me today, you know? And I go on my day with that anchor. And maybe I also get some headphones and when it's getting a little crazy, I just plug in some Bluetooth headphones. That's my pro-parent tip for you if you have small children. <laughs> Which not many of you do, so maybe it's just for me. But um, sometimes you can't control it. You can't fix everything. So where, where do I need to find my soul's anchor? It's not in controlling the situation. 
it's in God. But I can, I can spend my energy trying to control until I've just frazzled out, right? Or I can pull it back and take my, my needy, poor, broken self to Jesus. And uh, so, so you have to find your own story, your own narrative, your own struggle. I have small children. I know that's different than some of you. <laughs> um, but the second is just a quote. This is Dallas Willard. We've been talking about him throughout this series. And he says, you must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. You must arrange your days so that you are experiencing deep contentment, joy, and confidence in your everyday life with God. What would that look like for you to be true? Just meditate on that this week and think about how you are arranging your days so that your soul, your soul is satisfied in the one that it was meant to find true contentment and joy in. So I'm going to bring uh, Bridget back up for, for worship, and um, we're going to transition into finding <laughs> our soul's satisfaction in worship, in, in turning away from ourselves and towards the one who, uh, who truly meets us this morning in our need. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.